Shalom and good morning. Welcome to Life Bites. I hope you've been well. Now, if you have been following Life Bites since the very first episode, I believe you have been benefiting from our studies of the First John's epistle. Amen. Now, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for every listener of this podcast that has been faithfully tuning in since the very first episode. And I believe it's because your word in First John is really helping them to grow spiritually. Father, I pray that you would continue to minister to them personally as they humble themselves under the authority of your living word. Help me, Lord, to stay faithful to study and to share your word in this podcast and so that all of us will be blessed and grow to be more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, we've learned since the first episode that John was dealing with some very serious issues amongst the believers, and his purpose of writing this letter is so that the believers will remain strong in faith, not to be blinded by the devil and by our own self-centeredness. Unapologetically, the Apostle John uses some very strong words. In fact, some sound quite offensive, such as calling certain groups of Christians as liars, not living in the truth, deceiving people and themselves, living in darkness, blind, antichrist, and the children of the devil. Now, in fact, you'll find that John repeats what he says. Well, why do parents repeat their words to their children, right? Because the children are not listening. But if you pay careful attention, he's actually leveling up what he's saying, not merely repeating what he's saying. Strong words get even stronger. Now, but don't just read the strong words that he used, but read also his words that are very fatherly, passionate, loving, with a deep desire to see the people he loves dearly, to live godly lives and to live to their full potential as the children of God. Now, if we put both words together, you can really feel the heartbeat of God and the Apostle John himself. Now, please allow me to even call the Apostle John as Father John instead because he writes like a father to his children. So the most important question is, are we listening and obeying? You know what's the problem with us, friends? Is that we like to listen selectively. We only hear the rebuke, but not the love. Hence, we deliberately ignore the advice because we don't like to be rebuked. When I was a youth pastor, once there was a father in my church stopped his schooling daughter from being in a relationship with a boy and that boy was not a believer. So he told me his daughter angrily said to him, you don't love me, daddy. Well, quite heartbreaking, right, if you are the father. But when she grew older, she finally understood. She realized how blinded she was by her own self-centeredness that she couldn't see her father's love. And so in chapter 3, verse 10, Father John continues with some very strong words, but every word is beating the heartbeat of God to warn and to correct us. 
In verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother. Now, in the previous episode, we already learned that those who do not do what is right are not the children of God. But here John added one more, that those who do not love their brothers are not the children of God too, but are the children of the devil. Now, that's very, very strong words, friends, right? You know, friends, the best compliment we can ever receive is when people say that we are the children of God. Just like how a father would proudly introduce to others. Uh, friends, this is David, my son. Wow. Or, friend, this is uh, Rachel, my daughter. Wow, this is the pride and the joy and the happiness of a father to introduce his own children. But you see, friends, the question is, who do you want to say this line about you? Is it God or the devil? Think about that. So in verse 11 to 12, John explains why he makes such a strong statement about being the children of the devil, right? Verse 11, For this is a message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 12, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. You see, John uses Cain as an example to show what kind of people belong to the devil. He says, from the very beginning, God has commanded us to love one another. Do not be like Cain, because he didn't love his brother. Now, who taught Cain? That's the question. Who taught Cain to feel envy or hatred, to feel angry and murderous nobody now if you if you read the first few chapters of genesis you you didn't see anyone taught him to feel envy hatred anger and murderous nobody so but the question is where did he get all this from see when god asked him king where is your brother abel now it was a question to help king to search his own heart and to repent fyi friends God asks questions not because he doesn't know the answers, right? See, Cain became envious, hateful, angry, and murderous not because he wants to be like that, but because he doesn't love his brother. Love was missing in his heart. That's why Cain replied to God, Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? See, friends, that's the very first question that men asked God in the Bible. But sadly, a selfish question, an arrogant question. It's a question that has no love in it. And sadly, today, many of us are still asking the same question that Cain asked God. See, friends, hatred is not caused by the presence of evil, but by the absence of of love. Let me repeat that. 
Hatred is not caused by the presence of evil, but by the absence of love. It was all because of the absence of love in Cain's heart. If you were to tell a person who hates another person, "You are evil," well, I believe he would likely deny it. But then, why does he hate? See, friends, it was because he doesn't love. So John says. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. See, friends, we don't realize that when love is absent, we open the door for evil to be present. It didn't begin with evil, but it began with the absence of love. And John cuts even deeper with stronger words in verse fourteen. He said, "We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death." Now, what John is simply saying: to love is to live, and the opposite is death. To love is to live. Is it the life that John is talking about? Is not that we are still breathing, right? Like we are alive, breathing. No, he is actually talking about eternal life. In a nutshell, if we stop loving one another, we stop living. Actually, we are dead. God, John says, what anyone who does not love remains in death. The evidence for anyone who has received eternal life is to love each other. That's why Cain was already dead at the point he hated Abel. Verse fifteen goes on to say, "Anyone who hates a brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him." See, friends, we see hate has a feeling because we are not doing anybody harm, right? But Jesus says, even if you are angry at your brother in your heart. That's murder, and so the apostle John echoes Jesus' words when he said, "To hate is to murder." In fact, before you murder the person that hates you, you are already dead first. That's why the saying goes, "To hate is to drink poison and expect the person we hate to die." You see, if to hate is to die, then to love is to live, and John shows us how. To love, verse sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Three things here I want us to catch about how do we love so that we live. Number one, to love is to lay down our lives for others. Jesus exemplifies to us this principle. You know that question. That Cain asked God, "Am I my brother's keeper?" But Jesus answered that question on the cross. Yes, we are our brother's keeper. See, friends, most of us know and we memorize John three sixteen, right? But how about one John three sixteen? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives 
for our brothers. How many of us really know, memorize, and live out this verse? John 3.16 See, a person who has no problem making sacrifices for others is a person who thinks about others first all the time. And that is why when he is required to sacrifice his life, he will not hesitate to do so. So friends, let's do a simple self-check today. How often do we really think about others first? The second thing, to love is to give to others. Verse 17 and 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, I think these words are self-explanatory, right, friends? You know what's our problem? Our problem is we don't even bother to care about what God is saying here, oftentimes. Think about that carefully. You see, friends, to ignore your brother's needs is worse than hating him. Let me tell you what some 21st century Christians have become. They rather spend money to attend conferences, worship concerts, organize conferences, than to give to the poor. And they even spiritualized it. But you know what? I can't find anywhere in the Bible commanded us to spend money for conferences and concerts, but neglect the poor. So if we claim that we love others, it must show the way how we give to others. And the third thing about to love is to live. To love is to have God's love in us. See, we can call ourselves a Christian, but still, may not have God's love in us. It's true, no, friends? Many people call themselves Christians, but they don't have God's love in them. And what did John says? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need, but has no pity on them, man, how can the love of God be in that person? In other words, it's an oxymoron to say that I'm a Christian, but I don't love people. It's an oxymoron to say that I love God, but I don't love this person. It's an oxymoron to say that I love God by serving Him in the church. That's all. Yeah, that's all enough. Yeah, that's all enough. But hey, friends, how about the needy people? Uh, mm, mm. Well, friends, to paraphrase what John is saying, I am a Christian and I am dead. So we can't say that we want to love but we don't have God's love in us. No. When we truly have God's love in us, we will truly love in actions, not just mere words. You know, I have a friend, let me finish with this story, who did outdoor adventures for a living. And once during a waterfall tour, one of the tourists that he brought was caught by the undercurrent of the waterfall. And so he quickly dived in to save uh, this guy and because the tourist was too big size my friend couldn't pull him out so he went inside the water to push him out so he managed to save the tourist but he didn't make it 
Why? Because he tried to hold on to his breath as long as he could, so that the tourists could make it out of the water. He pushed the tourists. As long as the tourists not out of water, he's trying to hold on to his breath as long as he could. But in the end, he couldn't make it. You see, friends, this friend of mine, he is someone I know that always thinks about others first. Everywhere he goes, you can see him serving others first, letting others get what they need first. He will always be the first down on his knees to clean things, helping the needy, regardless of how dirty it is. You will really see him getting his hand on things and helping people. Always be the first one to do so. And this friend of mine really inspired me. You know, many Christians think that loving is just serving in the church, but very few understand that it is sacrifice more than service. Loving people is sacrifice more than service. Loving God is sacrifice more than service. So, friends, to love is to live, and those who have a habit to love. Are always happy to live. Can I repeat that? Those who have a habit to love are always happy to live. Now let's reflect. Let's be really honest with ourselves, friends. Do you have a problem like Cain had? Well, maybe if just a little bit, what would you do to make a change today? Or do you prefer to remain dead? Second question: Which of the three things we have discussed today that you need to really work on? Ask God to help you to change your heart to be more like Christ today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have exemplified to us through your Son, our Lord Jesus. What it means to love others. Help us, Lord, to deal with the issues of our heart honestly. Upward hatred and plant in us the seed of the love of God. Ask us each day, Lord, where is your brother? And may we answer you the way Jesus did, and not Cain did. Teach us, Lord, to love with actions and truth, and not with words. Father God, I also pray for those who have yet to experience the love of Christ. They too will open their hearts to believe and receive your love right now, and become the children of God. May your grace and blessings always envelop us and our loved ones too. In Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope you've been blessed by today's episode. Now, if you want to know more about Jesus, please drop me a note and please allow me to help you. Next episode, we will be talking about a topic that I am sure everyone will like. Whatever we ask, we receive. Did you want that? Till the next life bites. Continue to have a bite and have a life. God bless you.